Welcome to this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping project managers in the consulting world sharpen their skills. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, I'll be talking with Ryan Welke, architect and project management group leader at ISG. And this is an interesting conversation because, first of all, ISG has a project management group, which I think is really unique. And I haven't heard a lot of consulting firms with a specific group dedicated to project management. And also, they have a very interesting philosophy on project management. Sometimes you hear about firms being really super rigid when it comes to project management because they want to make sure there's a lot of procedures and that, of course, they have the highest quality projects, but it can be somewhat stifling to project managers when not every project is the same. And then you've heard kind of the other end of the spectrum, which we've heard a lot when we've gone into companies that we do PM training for, and you'll see no guidelines, right? No structure, no guidelines, no consistent PM language or culture within the company. So it sounds like from what Ryan's going to talk us through here is that they have a kind of a a philosophy that falls in the middle. So they've got structure, but they've got flexibility. And I think that that's really a really important way to cultivate a good project management culture within your firm. So I'm excited to jump in with Ryan. Before we do that, though, I do want to remind you that at the Engineering Management Institute, we do provide learning and development programs on some of the most critical skill sets for your professionals, including people leadership, project management, and seller-doer or business development skills. We run courses on a regular basis. We also can take our curriculum and customize them for your firm, meaning we can use some of our concepts, but then we could take some of yours, some of your templates, some of your verbiage, and even have some of your engineering professionals present with us when we deliver the custom program. To check out all of our services, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. And to check out the programs, just click the training button at the top of the page. All right, let's jump into today's PM conversation. All right, now it's time for our PM conversation of the week. I have with me today, Ryan Welke, Project Management Group Leader at ISG. Ryan, welcome to the Engineering Project Management Podcast. Thanks for having me today. Really appreciate joining the call. Excited to talk about project management as I do every day. We're excited to have you, Ryan. I mean, your title alone, Project Management Group Leader, I think just categorizes you as a great guest for this podcast. So I'm excited to talk to you. So In your own words, Ryan, just kind of start us off. Maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, your career journey to date. So I've been in ISG six years now. It's been a great journey. Started in our lacrosse office, uh, transferred to our Sioux Falls office. In that time, I started out as an architectural designer and grew and, and really started to like more of the coordination being we're a full disciplinary firm. Moving over to Sioux Falls, kind of transitioned to more of a project coordinator role, still more on the design side. Through that process, I was also going through my architectural license and through that, the testing in that process. So in 2018, I got my architectural license for the state of Wisconsin and Sioux Falls really then did a lot of work with our construction admin team. And again, kept falling into the project management role more and more. I came back actually to our lacrosse office in 2020, kind of in the midst of COVID, I transitioned into a project management role. Really then begin to fell in love with project management and all the coordination I was able to do for me, meeting all our internal teams, whether it was architecture, structure, mechanical, civil, a lot of great team members with a lot of great expertise. So being able to dabble into their expertise has, has been great. And then towards the start of 2021, transitioned into the project management group leader position. 
And with that, again, been able to meet more and more individuals, gain a better understanding from ISG as an organization and where we're looking to do and grow and how we can foster that growth through our project management team. It's been a super exciting journey, short six years, but a lot has happened over those six years. So excited to continue to grow at ISG and see what our project management team really can do. And let's dig a little bit deeper there. Tell our listeners a little bit about ISG in general, the type of services you provide. ISG, we're a multidisciplinary firm. So we have architecture, structure, mechanical, electrical, plumbing. We have an environmental team. So really full service on the design side. We're Midwest-based, so 11 offices across the Midwest. So Wisconsin, Minnesota, South Dakota, and Iowa make up all of our offices. We're just shy of 500 individuals full-time. They make up all of our uh, disciplines. A little more project management specific for our vertical team. So we're roughly around 30 project managers, and we probably mix in around another 20 or 25 for some of our environmental projects that need that project management expertise, but we're only maybe providing one discipline service. Tell us a little bit about the philosophy around project management at ISG. I mean, obviously the fact that you have a project management group, I think is a great thing, but tell us about the general philosophy on project management. General philosophy, I think, follows right in line with ISG as a whole. So we're a strengths-based organization, and we really focus and strive on what are people's strengths, what's your passion, what really gets you excited and motivated to come to work in each and every day. And we really carry that into our project management group as well. What are some of your strengths? What are some of your weaknesses to improve on? But our philosophy from the project management group is we don't have a bunch of processes and scheduled tasks of here's your list of 20 tasks every project manager needs to complete. We want to provide some guide rails so we have consistency for our internal clients being our project teams and our external clients, whoever that may be. So they get a consistent product from ISG. So if they're working with myself as a project manager or George in our Green Bay office, they're getting a consistent uh, product, but we can put our own little twist on it, being that we serve uh, 12 different business units. So a food and industrial client, we may need to tweak our delivery compared to an education client where we're meeting with a school board or something like that. So again, we want to provide some rails so we can be consistent and then also some rails so it allows each and every project manager to grow and utilize their strengths. I like that a lot. I think it's a really, really good approach to project management. It's kind of like a country has one language, but you know, in different towns and different cities, they might speak a little bit different or they might do things a little bit differently. But having a little flexibility because in, in the world that we live in, in infrastructure, clients are different, projects are different, personality types are different. I think giving your project managers some a good foundation, if you will, but then allowing them to make some decisions on their own, interact in different ways, I think is very positive because I do think that when it comes to project management guidelines, manual training, however you want to think about it, having flexibility built into it is I think gives project managers kind of room to grow and room to interact and room to um, sometimes make mistakes, which they have to do in project management. It's part of, I think, becoming a good project manager. But I also think it's interesting that ISG has like a project manager group because, you know, I don't think you see that in a lot of consulting firms, at least I haven't. I mean, I've seen some smaller project controls departments, but what went into that decision? Was it just to help, again, get to the success of your people and your projects by having that group? Yeah, definitely part of it was getting success of that group. But I think also identifying that that we are unique and as an organization of having all disciplines in-house. 
So when we're serving our projects, we have a lot of different disciplines and they're they're not just a consultant. They're part of our team. We want to integrate them part of our team and really having that lead point person. Our project managers are also unique from the standpoint that they're the one of the only groups in the organization that are continuously or every day touching our internal and external client. And if we can build a team that can really serve both those clients well, uh, more importantly, even our internal team, if we can serve that team well, get them the information they need, provide them the right schedules, provide them the right framework to get a project off and running, we're going to serve those external clients very well. Just kind of recognizing that those are a great group of individuals, putting a little framework around it to think of strategies for growth. What are other improvements or efficiencies that we need to look at as a group so we can continue to grow and to the team of assistant project managers, project administrators, project coordinators? What do we need to add to that team to serve those two groups of clients? I really like what you said about the project managers being the people that interact with both external and internal clients. I think that that's a great way to think of it. A lot of times you'll hear things like, you know, the project managers are kind of like the cash flow engine of the company, you know, they drive profitability. I think that's true. And that's one way to think about it. But I think when you try to think about it in terms of people, which is really important in our industry, people that are interacting with those external and internal clients speaks to why project management is just so important in the consulting world because, you know, people drive our projects. And yes, project management, like we've talked about on several episodes, is scope, schedule, budget. There's a lot more that goes into the equation than just those hard PM tasks and concepts and strategies. So that's a really good way to think of it for those of you out there, that your PMs are going to be dealing with people both internally and externally, your clients, and they need to be able to do that effectively. And if they do, that's really going to drive the success of your projects. Ryan, let's dive into some project management stuff here. Task management is a huge part of project management. Often project managers will create a work breakdown structure at the beginning of their projects where they're kind of outlining all the tasks on a project and they'll use that as a basis for a schedule and maybe an estimate. How do you manage project tasks? How does that look at ISG? Is there a software? Is there a process? How do you approach that on a project? We're definitely looking for ways to always improve that, right? It's always something unique. A new tool comes out. Uh, some people still use the pen and paper, right, to manage their tasks or they flag emails. And everybody kind of has their unique way of managing tasks. And how do we kind of pull that to one? Because, again, we don't want to take away from individuals' focus on what their expertise is or what their passion's about. We do utilize Teams, I uh, would say, uh, lightly for some of our project management software, if you will. Utilizing some of the to-dos or the chat features, so we create a team for each individual project. So some of the task management is, I would say, left up to the individual, but we really want to build a solid foundation with that work breakdown structure up front on the project that also uh, drives what are the major tasks we're going to be running into, whether it's in the schematic design phase, design development phase, and what are those, but then allow whether it's the, the architect or the civil engineer to manage their group of tasks, whether they want to put it on a piece of paper or put it on Teams or use their email, that's all fine. Let them have some of that flexibility to execute the work that they need to do. But we really want to be able to have uh, portions in the schedule that is going to hold the team accountable. What am I going to hold the team accountable for? And what am I responsible for as a project manager throughout that design phase to be checking in with the team? Some flexibility, working on a consistency and, and what the right platform is for us. But again, we just like to leave it flexible so we can focus on our strengths as a team. 
what happens a lot in the world of project management is companies install very intricate softwares or technologies that have a lot of bells and whistles. And I think sometimes they're too complex. And then the project managers are worried about trying to learn the software, use the software. I don't want to run the report. It's too hard to do it. And then effectively, they stop doing project management. And so I like the idea of flexibility again, because project management should be the scope, the schedule, the budget, the setting, the expectations, the client interaction, right? The ways that you do it. I mean, there are different avenues and tools that you can use to do it, but I think we can't get away from the idea of like the fundamentals of what project management is. And that sometimes with some younger PMs and some of the work that we do with firms, they get like a little bit debilitated from these software because they're like, I don't even know how to run the report. I got to call accounting. I got to call finance. I got to get the right numbers. And so just for those of you out there thinking through your project management workflow processes, Ryan gives a really good answer of giving people some flexibility in the way that they manage some of those things. It is good to have a software, sure, a good one that works that can give you some fundamental information. Let's make sure people understand project management before throwing them into a software and asking them to generate a lot of reports. At least that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, and I think for us too, I mean, we really focus a lot more on the on the leadership or the behavior side of project management versus the individual to ask or to do. Because I think if, again, we're doing the right things, asking the right questions, leading the team, a lot of those things are going to follow. So if you have a task list of 100 things on your on a notebook versus putting them in a software, probably not going to make much of a difference if you don't have a group leading or holding you accountable to complete a deliverable on a certain date. Ryan, obviously, a couple of years ago, COVID hit, world went remote overnight, 100% just about. Since then, it's changed, it's back, it's hybrid. How has this remote work climate affected project managers' ability to manage projects and collaborate with team members from your perspective, whether it's ISG or industry-wide? What have you seen on that? From ISG's perspective, fortunately, and maybe unfortunately, we all had to go home, but fortunately, we've always been, I would say, remote. We have, as I mentioned, the 11 different offices and each individual team, we're a one firm profit center. So we're not focused on what the Mankato office is doing or the Green Bay office is doing. We're focused on what ISG is doing as a whole. So we're working across teams, across multiple different offices. Now you may have some team members in your local office. So I think for us, not really much has changed. Some of the, maybe the day-to-day folks that you were meeting in the office, you had to be a little more intentional on communication. It wasn't just, I walk by your office and I see they're busy doing things and they're working on my project, or it could be the quick, casual five-minute conversation of walking by somebody's desk. We've also seen an improvement out of our project management. The more intentional the communication is of having a 15-minute pulse check with somebody once a week or collaborating with a few other folks. I think we all got burned down on Teams and Zoom calls and all those things, and I don't want to do another video call, right? But how can we be more focused and intentional in those calls of, hey, I have a weekly design meeting. How can we be more intentional so I can get on and off the call within 15 minutes, but know, have a really good sense of here's where my project's at. In other organizations or folks that I've maybe heard comments from is maybe took a little bit more to focus on some of that intentional communication and, and reaching out because I don't have that individual sitting right next to me because in the A&E industry, we're just so collaborative in general. To be creative, you got to be collaborative. Yeah. And that's that last point is exactly my worry from time to time is that it's a project management. Running these projects is a super collaborative process. You're dealing with other consultants. Like you said, internal, external clients you're dealing with. I feel like 
sometimes I worry about that cohesiveness factor, right? When we're all online, everyone's home. But I think I've seen companies navigate that. And I think you put it well when you said, really, what you have to do is if you want to stay cohesive and continue to build relationships is you got to just be more intentional about having that outreach and connecting with people and taking the extra steps. It's just not as easy as it used to be. I definitely think it's still possible. Absolutely. I mean, with technology nowadays, between your cell phone, text messages, maybe you're just getting a few more forms of communication than than you're used to. But I think it's definitely manageable, doable, and, and we can only improve from it. Communication comes up all the time when you talk about project management, when you talk about consulting clients, et cetera, communicating with clients, communicating with stakeholders. All this can be very challenging for technical professionals and project managers. What advice can you offer on project communication or effective communication just from your own career journey and what you've learned and seen through the years? For me, the big one or maybe even more recent takeaway as we've been going through different project management training or building things for ISG from an efficiency standpoint is really the preparation. Even if it's only a kickoff meeting or an internal meeting, spending a few minutes of what are the questions I'm going to ask and maybe what are some of the follow-up questions that I may get by asking these questions. So you have some time to think through it. You generally, as a PM, probably know your project inside and out for the most part, right? Is there, I need to ask these next five questions. I should probably bring our architect along, our civil engineer, because we're going to get some pretty technical questions that I'm not going to be able to answer as a project manager. So I think for me, from a communication standpoint, not just the, I'll say verbal or email communication, but that preparation before the communication, take a little time to think about it. What are the questions you need to ask? What's the problem you're trying to solve? If it's just a you know kickoff meeting, what do I need as PM and what does the team need to be able to set ourselves for success for that specific project? A couple of minutes of preparation can go a very long way before meetings, before interacting with people. And I think sometimes in today's world, quite frankly, with these Zoom meetings back to back to back to back, we don't always necessarily get the time to do that. We need to make the time for that. I try to do something like that every morning, You know, look at the calendar and go through them and see what I need for the meetings for that day. Another thing that you said there that's important is understanding when you need to bring other people with you or when you need to get information from other people. What I've seen with a lot of PMs, especially younger PMs or younger technical professionals is they come out of school, they get thrown into a job site. Now they got a couple of people asking them questions in kind of a more high pressure situation. And sometimes they just want to give an answer because we all know that it's a stressful, fast paced industry and they don't want to slow down a project. And they start throwing out answers that aren't the right answers. And we all know how detrimental that could be in the kind of work that we do. To Ryan's point, you really need to consider if you don't know the answer to a question, a project-related meeting or question, just be honest with people. Listen, I don't have the answer. I got to make a phone call back to the office. I got to contact my engineer or architect to get that information. And it might feel uncomfortable in the moment, but if you give them the wrong information, that could come back to be much worse. And then you want to build that long-term relationship with that client. Yeah, you bring up a, a good point. I think even early in my career, saying I don't know was difficult, right? Or even just saying no to a client, right? It's difficult. But I think kind of taking the step back of, yeah, to your point of, I need to talk to X engineer, but making sure when you are saying, I don't know, or I need to get back to you, setting those expectations of, okay, I need to talk to our civil engineer. It's going to take two or three days for us to work through this solution. I will be back to you by Friday. But then you better make sure that you are also delivering that message back on Friday or communicating early on of, hey, we're actually going to need a few more days once I consulted with our engineer, just to, again, to help manage those expectations because bad news doesn't get better with time. So delivering those sooner is going to be better in the long run. 
one of our PM instructors here, she always says in our trainings, bad news isn't like wine, like it doesn't get better over time. It's like a fish. It starts smelling worse and worse and worse over time. So yeah, you got to address that. And one thing that, that Ryan said that I think is really important, I just read about this in a book recently, something called the expectations gap, which is essentially if you expect something from someone and they're expecting something different, something's bad is going to happen. There's going to be fear. There's going to be distrust. There's going to be anger. So if you say to someone, hey, I'm going to get that answer for you. I'm going to make a couple of calls. And they're thinking, oh, great. Anthony's going to go make a couple of calls right now. And I go back to the office. I do a couple of things. I have a meeting and then I come back tomorrow. And that could be a big communications gap. So you need to really set your expectations in your career. I think always in your career, not just related to project management, but especially in project management with clients and with internal. I've had some challenges with other departments when I worked for this multidisciplinary firm where I expected them to get me proposal information on a Friday and they were expecting it to give it to me the following week. And that never ends up well. So really think about communication as a big part of that. How about new PMs or soon to be PMs? When you're working in a consulting firm, there's always going to be new PMs up and coming. How do you make sure that they get training, but not even like a formal training, but how do they get the mentoring or the guidance that they need when it comes to project management? What advice can you offer on that? For the folks mentoring, right? Making sure you're putting in the time because they don't know what they don't know, right? So they may not be asking you questions, but they don't know they should be asking questions. So I think really for us, uh, setting our PMs up for success is, is partnering with the right individuals, folks that they can have fun with on a project too, right? They're willing and open to have a conversation to say, I don't know. You got to have that trust with your internal team just as much as your external team, but giving them some key individuals within the firm that they can reach out to, have some of the conversations. Here's what my next steps are going to be. Am I going about this the right way, the wrong way? And not so much as a, as a formal training, you got to kind of learn along the way. I mean, I look back when I first started PMing projects a couple of years ago, what I'm doing now is significantly different, but I didn't get there by reading a book. I didn't get there by formal training. Did that stuff help? Absolutely. But it, it was a lot of the folks that I've been able to work with, whether it's our current president now or some of our business unit leaders and that just asking questions and better understanding our organization of what we're driving towards. What are some of the scars that they've learned from? I'm going to get my own, but I don't have to get the same ones they did. Well, you didn't learn it in a training or you know, you kind of got on the job experience. And I think that's important. We do a lot of PM training for clients. And one of the things we try to stress to people is, listen, you're not going to go through this course and become a great project manager. That's not the way project management works. We're going to give you some tools. We're going to give you some foundations and some concepts, but you've got to go use these on the job. And you're going to have to have conversations with real clients and real projects. And you're going to have to do a real schedule and probably go over on something and have to figure out how to fix it, right? And so project management is definitely something that is experiential. You're going to learn it on the job. So don't think, you, even if you're out there and you're not getting the training you feel like you need, maybe it'll come at some point in time. But get training by doing things on the job, talking to people, talking to experienced PMs, asking them questions, hopefully listen to other episodes of this podcast. I mean, the whole idea is to learn what you can from others and learn on the job and supplement it with training and concepts and books and things like that. That's really project management. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Ryan and we're going to talk about his uh, biggest PM pitfall. We are back with Ryan Welke, Project Management Group Leader at ISG. And now it is time for our PM Pitfall segment. So Ryan, what's the biggest PM pitfall that you've identified and how would you recommend overcoming it or avoiding it for those PMs out there? 
I don't know if this is maybe the biggest pitfall, but I think one of the things that we're trying to work on as a organization and as a project management group is kind of back to the some of the expectation comments I made previously is focusing some of our effort on the front end of a project. And maybe even coming from myself is a lot of times we'll get a project assigned or we get onset proposal gets kicked off. And the first thing we want to do is get a team assigned, get running with the project, start designing and push forward. And then coming through that, there's a lot of things that we have to manage along the way and understand if I would have just had the hindsight, right? Everybody says hindsight of hindsight, if I would have known that. So really kind of taking that and building a project on the front end and spending that time to build your questions for the kickoff meeting for your internal and external team, setting maybe some high level schedule, but then, you know, for us meeting with each design discipline, okay, what are the things you need and when do you need them by so we can collaborate as an entire team And then also set some key points for our clients along the way of here's when you need to make some decisions because we don't want to design things twice, right? So what are some of those things that we can set ourselves up for success on the onset of our project? Again, maybe some stuff we're focusing on as an organization is really pulling some of the work that you would normally maybe do throughout the entire project to that front end. It may seem like a lot of effort you're spending up front. But making sure you are spending that time up front to minimize your time through the back end of the project. I believe that most PM challenges, failures, whatever you want to say, are attributed to a lack of preparation at the beginning of the project. The inability to set the expectations with the client, go through a really good scope development process so you're clear on what the scope is. Like you said, ask the right questions in those kickoff meetings. Time and time again, you see things happen on the back end because those expectations weren't set. So I would definitely say that putting extra time and effort into the kickoff portion of your project, that initial phase, I'm sure would come back and return in a lot of big ways. And I think it's great that an ISG is focusing on that. I would just make a recommendation to all of you listening. That kickoff phase, that beginning phase of your project is so critical because it really sets the stage for everything else. And when you're talking about a multi-million dollar infrastructure project, you could think about the ramifications if that's not set up properly from the beginning. And I told the story many times that we had a client working on a major airport and they ended up doing a half a million dollars outside of scope work because the expectations weren't clear and they had a lot of trouble trying to collect that money. So Ryan, thanks so much for spending time with us today. You gave us a lot of time. I know you're busy and for sharing some of what you're doing at ISG around project management. We really do appreciate the time. Yeah, no, really appreciate you allowing me to to jump on and talk through some of my experiences. I'm one of the nerds out there that really enjoy project management and how do we improve it, right? Hey, if that's the case, then you're on the right podcast. (laughs) We're thrilled to have you and I'm I'm sure we'll uh, touch base with you again, but thanks again for coming on. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ryan. I think there was a lot of interesting components of it, but one of them that I'll just reinforce here is the idea of setting clear expectations at the beginning of your projects. I would say that if there's one thing that I see happen so many times where projects go wrong, it's that lack of communication, that expectations gap that I talked about, and that really, really is a critical piece of project management. So please, you can find the show notes for all of our episodes at engineeringpmpodcast.com, including this one. Again, that's engineeringpmpodcast.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the other resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode today. And if you ever want to think about building a custom PM training program for your firm, simply give us a call at 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. Or check out our website, engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. 
We've helped many firms build PM programs, and we can help you do the same. We use a very simple three-step process, and we can walk you through it in a matter of minutes to hear how effectively and how quickly it can work. Until next time, I wish you the best in all your engineering project management endeavors.